Okay, so it's Thanksgiving week. Gobble, gobble. 2023. Um, so how are you with like gratitude quotes? Do you know any gratitude quotes off the top of your head? Nope. Okay, how about this one? The more you practice the art of thankfulness, the more you have to be thankful for. It's meta-ish. Norman Vincent Peale said that, but I want to talk about... Thanks, Norman Vincent Peale. <laughs> right. I want to talk a little deeper about that one, though. Do you? Yeah. You know what I want to talk about? What? I want to talk about this. Yeah. You catch me running off with the mouth, just give me a poke in the chops. <laughs> Middle of the night. I know, I know, but he's proud of his town. You know, that's a damn rare thing these days. It is, it is. And we're going to talk more about quotes from Del Griffith. Are we? Yes, absolutely. Uh, in the meantime... Here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 737. They're all odd numbers, sweetheart, and they're also prime numbers. And there's two sevens in there. Boring. Is your favorite number seven? My favorite number is a seven, so I guess I'll take that one, but the other stuff. Uh, On today's show, gratitude quotes, some quotes from one of the best movies ever created, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, and then Ask Me Anything. For those of you guys who don't know... We have this uh, thing called Ask Me Anything. It's mm-hmm. on our website. It's on the show notes of every podcast we do. All you got to do is click a little something on your screen, and then your phone has a microphone on it, and it asks us a question. Or you can email. Or you can email. A lot of different ways of doing it. Uh, but that is a an invitation, so if anybody wants to do that. So those are the three big topics of the day. Mm-hmm. Where would you like... To, oh, did I say what Zen Parenting is all about? I don't know. Uh, best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. And un- and why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you will feel outstanding. Good. Here we go. Podcast uh, episode 737. Where do you want to begin, my darling? So the more you practice the art of thankfulness, the more you have to be thankful for. So that's really sounds really bland and like, oh, big deal. But here's the thing. I want to be neurobiological about this. Let's. If you... Okay, so our brains naturally focus on what's not working so we can survive, right? So Scans the environment for threats. Always, because we have to to survive. That's the way we're built. It's our neurobiological makeup. So if we want to have more gratitude, we have to practice it. Just like if we really, like, you know, our body breathes without us, right? Yeah, without us trying. But if you really want to help your body calm down, you have to breathe with it and like be conscious of your breathing. So it's very similar with gratitude. Sometimes gratitude pops up and it's kind of out of the blue and we're like, oh, wow, that's great. That came up. But if we want to have the experience of gratitude more more often, we literally have to practice it to train our brain to notice it. So every semester when I teach my um, my college students, they start with a gratitude journal at the beginning of the semester. And then um, at the end of the semester, do they notice a difference? And I would say some of them don't because I don't think everybody does it as, you know, um, what is the word I'm looking for? Like they're consistently, cheating. they're cheating. Well, cheating. They have is a homework. They're not doing their homework, sweetie. <laughs> um, I told them, I'm like, listen, this isn't something I can like look over your shoulder. But if you want to see the difference, and over time, what happens is you train your brain to notice what's working more often. It doesn't keep your brain from noticing the negative things because it, it has to, but you will pay attention more. So. The, pr- the more you practice the art of thankfulness, the more you have to be thankful for is literal in that you will notice more things to be thankful for. So I was just trying to make that very bland quote a more neurobiological thing. I like it. Okay. Um, yeah. And I just listened to a podcast, Men Living There's a Podcast. My friends Sean and Chris do it. And they had this doctor on and it's about how the research now says, and it was about compassion mm-hmm. and through the medical model, but they also expanded it out to like day-to-day life. Uh-huh. Is that the more you care for people, the healthy, you know, because doctors are taught to not care, right? Right. To protect themselves uh, because they'll burn out. And what they found is that the more you care, the less burnout you have. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Which is the opposite of what they're taught in medical school. Yeah. I got it. There's got to be a balance there because if you care so much about everyone and you happen to be in an ER when bad things happen, that's tough. What the thing you have to practice, like they've just got the wrong thing that they're not focusing on. Like I, 
I'm a social worker. I teach social workers. I teach them how to care. You have to care, but you also have to care about yourself. Right. So you have to have ways to manage your emotions, to regulate, to have some agility, to have some release, to have some downtime, to have some time for sleep. And what sucks is that once you become a doctor and you know what your hours are, I think those things are possible. I'm not a doctor, so I don't know. But in med school, those things are hard to come by sure. because don't they do shifts that are like super it, long? It used and... to be much worse, okay. especially for residents. Like okay. they would work 20 hours a day and, you know, get no sleep. And I think it's a little bit, uh, there's a more guidelines built so that to help who, them take care of themselves. whoever's care because i don't want a doctor who's been up for 20 hours it should be like pilots you know? like pilots if they have been on the clock for a certain number of hours they can't fly anymore well i think the medical industry has learned a lot from the uh, airline industry as far as out, checks and balances yeah checks and balances yeah. lack of accidents mm -hmm. checklists pilots are really good at checklists and doctors used to be not as good and now they learn from the pilots and they're much better. Like, you know, you hear those stories about somebody amputating the wrong leg right. and all that stuff. Well, and now there's so many things in place, like how often, you know, we have our wristband. Say back to me your name. Yes. You know, say back to me your birthday. Is this you? You know, there's all these things, these checks and balances where we may, as the patient that day, feel like, what's the point of this? But we are one of many people. Yeah, they're not, in, yeah. Yeah, and they have to make sure, they don't know us. Sure. <laughs> they have to make sure they're, they have the right people. But yeah, I think that historically, like one of the things, because um, we hold doctors in such high regard and because they hold such a, um, a high sense of status. Big reputation, big, big reputation. reputation. Ooh, you and me, we got a big, big reputation. reputation. Ah. Um, and they hold such status that they there was ego issues involved, like I wouldn't make a mistake, or that's what used to hinder these things, sure. is there was a lot of beliefs that they had it under control and that they wouldn't make a mistake. But there is no, like the checks and the balances are there to keep them from having to worry about everything. Sure. It allows everybody to have a role. I mean, we're talking like we're doctors. We don't really know. These are just things that we I'm not have... a doctor, but I do play one on Zen Parenting <laughs> Radio. Well, it, these are things that you and I have read about. As far, I feel like it was it was on a podcast, and then Brene Brown has talked about it in her research. And, you know, and it doesn't just apply to doctors. It's just anybody we have to have. First of all, we have to care. <laughs> like, we... I don't care what job we have. Like Simon Sinek, I was listening to him on the um, Good Life Project uh, podcast this morning, and he was just talking about how the whole model, the whole who's the guy that did the um, the business model, Jack Welch. Oh yeah, and his whole model was if you if certain people don't make certain you know cut deadlines, cut it, you let them go. Yeah, you like don't worry about the people, you worry about the output. And we elevated Jack Welch to be the business. I remember I, I was in business school or undergrad where I took business classes in the early '90s, and Jack, Jack Welch was the standard. Right. And now Simon Sinek, who comes in with this completely different lens, he's like, no, Jack Welch's model. Welch's model was not good for long term growth. That was that's the key is it can't sustain. Yeah. You can have a year where you're like, oh, you're out because you didn't make this, you know, you didn't hit this goal or deadline or whatever. But over time, you're not going to have the people there. Everything is going to be cutthroat. People are going to turn on each other. People are going to want to leave. People are going to do things where they lie and they cheat. And you're not forming a culture of support. And so we have to care no matter what. If we are social workers, doctors, police officers, um, you know, business CEOs, like if we don't care about people, we lose track of what we're doing here in the first place. Yeah. And, you know, we have to care. Actually, we don't have to care, but it's you're better off if you do. Let's just say that. On both ends, not just not only are you treating people better where they're having the experience of being cared for. What you were just saying is the research around when we care for people, mm -hmm. we actually feel better about ourselves. It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to get up in the morning being excited to care for people than to hate people. Well, and it's not like uh, it's it's not it doesn't have to be a soup kitchen. It could literally, and we've said this a million times on the podcast, could be holding the door open for somebody. Right. Like small, tiny investments into your fellow human being well, and goes it, a long way. All you have to do is incorporate it into your own life. Wherever you work, when you're with your kids, when you are driving your car, you don't have to do something grand. Just 
care about people more. And you may say, but here's the problem, Todd, because I know I get this from people all the time. First, I'm waiting for someone to care about me. Then I'll care about people. That's the a tough mindset. That's, that's, that's putting a lot of uh, hope on somebody else. Well, and what, again, what we're trying to focus on is you will, if you care more, you will get that caring back. But somebody has to lead and somebody has to recognize that how good it feels mm. to, you know, to smile at someone or to, um, you know, just chill in the car and wave to people. You know what I like to do in the car? I like to notice people who are driving with their dogs in the car. Yeah. And then I like to like make eye contact with the dog. Yeah. And like just like wave to it mm-hmm. as if it really knows what I'm doing. I love watching, you know, I love cats. I'm a uh-huh. cat guy and that's very not masculine to like cats better than dogs. Mm-hmm. I'm so okay with that. And I do like cats more, but one thing I do love about dogs is the whole idea of them sticking their head out the window know, and just the seeing best. the world go by. They're so excited. Like cats, I don't think cats do that part. Uh, their brain's made a little differently. I think a cat might jump out the window. I, well, dogs are uh, territorial, I think. like they, They're used to like roaming around, but I guess maybe lions and tigers and all that. And I bears? Just, and bears, oh my. Um, do you have another quote? Yeah. Before you do, how about a quote from Del Griffith? Sure. The last thing I want to be remembered as is an annoying blabbermouth. <laughs> You know, nothing grinds my gears worse than some chowder head who doesn't know when to keep his big trap shut. You'd catch me running off with a mouth, just give me a poke in the chops. That's Del Griffith. Some chowder head. We don't even have to talk about it. I just want to use Del Griffith as a transition between one gratitude quote to the next. Because it's a Thanksgiving movie. That's right. It's the best movie ever. Is it the best movie ever or the best Thanksgiving movie? It's in my top five. Just saying. Okay, you is it in your top five? Of course. Okay, all right. You yeah, always make fun of me when it's I say top five because you put fifteen movies in your top five. <laughs> PTNA is in my top five. So it's impossible to put fifteen movies in I my go, top five. I go Dead Poets. I Dead Poets Society's in there. Empire Strikes Back's in there. Star Wars is in there. PTNA is in there, and maybe Stand by Me. Okay, I'll go with that. Those all right, my top five. All right. Uh, gratitude quote. Go. Okay, here's another one. This one is really. Um, Oh, I don't know which one to do. Okay, I'm going to do them both, but I'll just do them quickly. The first one is uh, John F. Kennedy. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. Mm -hmm. This is super um, important when we do the things that we do in the world. I think there's a lot of people who walk around saying they're grateful or they say thank you or whatever, but then they don't. Their actions aren't always grateful. You know, it's one thing to like use the words and to say things, but it's another thing to live in a thankful way. Totally agree. It's walk the talk. If you're mm-hmm. going to talk, make sure you walk. I, well, there's a good sweet. If you're going to talk, make sure you walk. Yeah, because everybody loves to talk. Talking is easy. Yeah. You know what's not easy is listening. I led a meeting last night for men living about listening. Uh huh. And and nobody listened. It's just not an easy skill to cultivate I if know. you're going to do it really well. Um, but I digress. Um, talking, while, yeah, talking's cheap. Talk is cheap. Yeah, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> I just made that up. <laughs> um, wa- <laughs> living what you living what you want your kids to learn. Yes, I know that. Statement. Now we're talking. Now we know. Um, um, that's all I got. Yeah. So I think that. The thing that has taught me gratitude the most, I think I've told the story before, but it's for Thanksgiving, so I'll tell it again. So there's been certain times in my life that I have either gotten in big trouble, like when I was in high school or middle school, got in big trouble, and... <laughs> That's trouble, sweetie. Yeah, it was serious trouble. And I remember being like, geez, like, all I want is just to be able to, like, go outside and like look at the stars and feel good about who I am. And I don't care about all this excess stuff or all these things that I think I've been, you know, trying to cultivate as far as relationships or achievement or leadership or whatever. I just want to like feel good as a human being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just and and I've had those times many times, even like if I've gotten, you know, last year around this time I had a mammogram that wasn't great and I had to have surgery and all these things. And I remember thinking, God. Once I'm through this situation, I'm just going to appreciate just being 
here. Like a lot, if everything fades away when you're like have big trouble or problems or Todd, have you ever had a day where you're like, oh my God, all these bad things are going to, or I have all these things I have to do. And then they go away because like someone cancels or something gets rectified Yeah, and you're just so grateful. Yeah. I would actually, uh, I'm with you. Great gratitude. But the first word I would think of to describe that feeling would be relief. I yeah. Guess. Relief I, and I think then gra- right. relief and then gratitude. Yeah. But I remember getting in trouble from my parents and I was grounded or whatever. Like I got in trouble, blah, blah, blah. And I would wake up the next morning and just thinking like my world is just coming crashing down when it really wasn't even that big of a deal. It wasn't. But what came crashing down? See, here's what here's the most important thing is your sense of self, correct? your integrity. And that's kind of why I started with the example of getting in trouble versus having someone cancel when I didn't want to do something is I lost myself. And that's why. I lost track of who I was and all I wanted was to be back into myself, like where I was like, I know who I am and I feel good about my choices. That feels like home, no matter where you are. Mm-hmm. Um, when you're in alignment with yourself and it doesn't mean, alignment doesn't mean you're doing everything perfect and you're not saying anything wrong or you have no emotional outbursts. You're still human, but you feel like yourself. Yeah. But when you do something where you harm people or you do something that's out of your nature, or out of your integrity, the reason you wake up thinking my whole world is crashed is because your sense of self crashed. Yeah, no doubt. And and I think you're right because I would like put what I think was happening. It, it was just a much, I thought it was such a bigger deal than it was. Mm-hmm. But to your point, it's because it, in my mind, it was a big deal. You lo- Yeah, it's like a... You know, and we can use other words like you disappointed someone or someone sees you differently or you lost an opportunity. All those things are mixed in too. But I think it really is our sense of when our sense of self gets shaken. I don't know if there's and and that is true even with a health scare. Right. Like sometimes it's not things we do. It's like we think we're, you know going along and then all of a sudden we have a health scare and our sense of self gets shaken or someone we love gets sick or, you know, someone is, you know leaving or, or, you know, there's breakups happening or whatever. It's all very discombobulating. And I think that when, you know, one thing that I really try to do, um, is recognize when things are, how do I want to say this? Cause things don't have to be great for me to do this, to notice a good feeling or to notice something good that's happening or, or us laughing or an opportunity that's good because it doesn't mean it's going to sustain, but you got to like enjoy those moments because that's what we're working for all the time anyway. The way I would say it, and I think we're saying the same thing okay. is recognize the beauty in the ordinary. Yes. So what do I mean by that? Yes. What I mean by that is right now I don't have a cold and yeah. I can inhale through both of my nostrils. Sweetie loves the nostril example. Oh my God. I Because I can't stand I when I have a cold and one one side of the nose is plugged up. God forbid both of them and I have to ble- breathe through my mouth for a day. It's the worst. Have you seen Nate's thing about Afrin, about how his dad used Afrin for years and Who's years Nate? and years? That that um, comedian, oh, the guy Nate, that was the, on the SNL. That just did SNL. I can't say. I don't know his last name. I just know his name's Nate. Name. Yeah, I, we're not giving he's, him the respect he's he like deserves. He's like the hottest comic out there right now, and he's hilarious. And but he does this. Maybe I'll find him. We can put it in the show notes. But he does this um, whole like you know part of his show is about how his dad has been using Afrin for years and years and years. And the doc, and it's like, if you look at the box, you're only supposed to use it like, yes. you know, once every whatever. Right. Like Afrin is not a daily use kind of thing. I'll see if I can find that okay. while we're talking at okay. some point. That'd be great. Um, okay. So while you're looking for it, Todd, yeah. I'm going to do the last one and then we'll go on to the questions. Sure. Oh, wait, what about my, um, what about my uh, Del Griffin. Okay, sure. Right, hold on a second. Uh, oh, wrong one. That's Nate. I don't want to get to Nate quite yet. I'm going to go back over to Dell. Still one of those uh, discount credit cards for the rooms? Yeah, well, I'll have to charge you for a double, but uh, with a discount, it'll come out even. Oh, that's pretty good. We're saving money already. We're a pretty good team. They're a pretty good team, sweetie. They are. Um, okay, what do you got? So... This kind of this one is kind of my beliefs that kind of organize my even my political beliefs, all of my beliefs around us being here. When eating fruit, remember the one who planted the tree. That's a mm. Vietnamese proverb. So the whole point of that is people who walk around in the world and they say, 
I did it myself and I pulled myself up and you need to pull yourself up and you take care of yourself and I'm just going to worry about my family and I'm not going to, that's not the way we work as, as a society and as a community. Yeah, we're like, I hate to get all Dax on us, but we're built for group. Anthropological. Anthrop- yeah. yeah, like we, we didn't evolve through solitude. Yeah. We evolved through little groups of 20 to 70 people. Right. I was like, like there's a certain ma- like there's a certain quantity of people that helped us evolve. Like 100 was too many, mm-hmm. but tw- 40 wasn't enough. There wasn't enough strength and talent and nurturers out there. Um, and I feel like that's, um, that's how we're wired. We're wired to be in relationship with other human beings. And that's the connection part. And then I think the literal part is someone built this house. Yeah. Someone created electricity and ran the wires. Somebody like, you know, you go to the grocery store, someone planted, picked, delivered, drove that food, put it on the shelves for you. We are in a community with other people, no matter where we are. And when people walk around thinking they're doing everything by themselves, there are many aspects of your life. It doesn't mean we can't be proud of ourselves and honor the things we do do. Do do. Do do. But we are part of a, a team no matter what, and to treat each other with that sense of respect and to remember, you know, even the roads we're driving on, someone takes care of those. Well, and I'll add to that in a slightly different, I don't know, accent, um, as far as gratitude goes. Mm-hmm. Like, as I sit here in this podcast office, I'm mm-hmm. looking at a computer screen, I'm looking at a mixer, I'm looking at a recorder. You're looking at your wife. I'm looking at my sweetheart. Everything came from the earth. Like, like if you look at a computer, like, oh, it didn't come from the earth. Every single part of it Mm -hmm. somehow was made from something natural, like even plastic. I don't know how they make plastic, but... I don't think plastic's natural. I know it's not natural, but they had to have made it out of something. It had to start with something. It had to start with something Mm -hmm. that came from the ground or from the trees. Right. Um, And I just think that that's kind of incredible. Yeah, I I agree, and I think that I was I wanted to go on a tangent about plastic, but I don't think I'm yeah, going let's to. not go to the well. It's not, I'm not going to make anyone feel bad, but there there was this thing that I heard that somebody said, you know, a lot of times people will be frustrated with people for not recycling, understandably, but at the same time, like people don't know sometimes how to recycle or where it goes, and sometimes even if we recycle it, it doesn't end up in the right place. And the question is always, why are we making this in the first place? Yeah, why we're getting blamed. But like, why is it out there in the first place? I remember listening to a uh, podcast and there was a lady on there who was a significant environmentalist. Yeah. And at the time she was a little naive and she's like, I'm not going to use plastic at all. And okay. then she realized the next morning she woke up, she had to go pee and she sat on the toilet and she realized she was, was sitting plastic. on a plastic toilet seat. I know. Like these even so those hard. toilet seats that we sit on are plastic. So... Uh, and it's not either or, but you're trying to minimize it. But anyways, I thought that was an interesting take. Like we can't, if we're going to live in this society that we live in, we can't avoid. That. Yeah. And we run into walls no matter where we want. Like it's very hard to be str- like have an opinion about something and then follow through with it a hundred percent. And I'm not just talking with recycling or plastic, but everything is paradoxical. Like that's part of what Zen means is that things that are good in some ways are bad in others. And things that we deem bad can often be the road to change. And, you know, it's just a very, um, it's not linear. It's, and it's not one straight line. It's a lot of bumps. Are you ready for Nate and Afrin? Okay, let's hear it. Argatsky? I think that's what it is. My dad, too. My dad's, you know, my dad has surgery eight times a year, probably. And he loves it. He loves it. Uh, He had surgery uh, because he was addicted to Afrin, the nose spray. (laughs) Look, I've been addicted to Afrin, the nose spray. Uh, If you don't know what it is, I would honestly tell you not to get involved. (laughs) It's one of the best things I've ever been part of. solves everything immediately. <laughs> when I was on it, too, my wife, was just, she'd be like, what's that? No, she hear one puff. What's that? I go, I ain't go live like this. <laughs> I ain't worked this hard not to do effort in my own home. <laughs> so my dad, my dad goes to the doctor, and they were like, do you use Afrin? And he goes, no. <laughs> and the doctor was like, like, I can see that you use it. I was just saying that. Uh, <laughs> He goes, how long have you been using it? My dad said, five years. 
which is a lie. But my mom was there, and she goes, uh, how about 45 years? That's how, that's how long he's used it. 45 years. The back of the box... There's not a medicine on earth that tells you to give it a good 45-year run. That's why I get nervous as I get old. Uh, that's good. Isn't that so true? His delivery is so great. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I'm going to tell you to not get involved. <laughs> um, okay, give me another... Uh, so we're, let's be done with the quotes. Okay, now we're going to yeah. ask me anything. Do you have these questions? I do somewhere. I have them written down if you want to read them. Yeah, read read whichever uh, one. Oh, do you want me to read yeah, it? Okay. Whatever. Well, what does it start with? Let me read it. Oh. Just give me the first three words, because I think we're looking at I have stuff. four. I have, what about the kid? I got it right here. What okay. about the kid? So can you give some context to the what about the kid? I have no context. Okay, well, read it, and then I'll give the context. What about the kid that was better at 10 than 16? His two chores never get done unless I do it or hubby, and I don't know how to get, or unless I do it or hubby, and I don't know how to get him off his butt without going postal 80s style like I was raised. So she was, this was posted, actually, underneath um, our show. Team Zen member or no? I don't think so. Okay. Um, but it was posted under our show because we were talking about um, how kids, how to get them involved in chores and how things take time and how we remember the story I told about how, like, you know, if your kid is 10 and you're like, it's time for you to do laundry, they may question, like, why do I have to do my own laundry? And that's a valid question. And that you have to, over time, help them uh, uh, what, um, make it part of their schedule, like like it like help them do it, learn how to do it, and then remind them so it becomes part of their routine, okay? So she's saying, like, maybe my kid at 10 start doing it, but now my kid at 16 is totally dropping the ball. So he used to do it at 10, and now that he's 16, he's yeah. less responsible. And I think that... 30 years ago, the greatest threat to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today... It's anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm, cyberbullying, eating disorders, screen time, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen. ZPR 2024, it's a two-day in-person live event on January 26th and 27th in Oak Brook, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. Go to zenparentingradio.com and get your tickets now. Are you ready to unlock a calmer, happier you? then I can recommend a great podcast called Mindfulness for Beginners. It's like a good friend who guides you through the journey using relatable stories to communicate the key concepts and guiding you through inspiring meditations. So don't wait. Click the link in the description and join Sean on the Mindfulness for Beginners podcast and embark on your journey of calmness and happiness today. Join the Circle, which is the Team Zen membership platform. It's an app with Zen Parenting Radio's complete parenting content collection, plus live talks. We also have small groups that focus on finance, raising healthy sons, differently wired families, and I have an exclusive women's group. This is only $25 a month, and you can cancel at any time. Our motto is zero pressure, 100% support. Uh, so here's some things you can do. You can follow the podcast on your podcast app. You can subscribe to Kathy's Friday Zen Parenting Moment. It's a quick read, really inspirational. And then you can also uh, buy the book that Kathy wrote called Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World. Basically, Kathy took the most important stuff that we've been talking about since 2011 and put it all into one book. You can buy it wherever books are sold. And I think that, like everything else we always talk about, is why, okay? And not not going to your kid and saying, why? Um, but actually saying to them, I notice your laundry's not getting done. I notice that, or you're last minute about it, or there's clothes all over your floor. Tell me, because you used to do your laundry all the time, tell me what ask, what things have changed that has made this more difficult, and how can I help you? Now, obviously, the simple answer is they could say, you could do it. You don't have to do that. You don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to do it for you. But there are things that we can do to help organize. There's things that we can do to help streamline. Like they may say, well, I was going to do laundry the other night and I went in there and there was no more detergent and then I just haven't done it all week. That's valid, mm -hmm. right? Like you, and, and I'm saying we don't need to feel bad about it, but it's like, okay, that's valid. They may have some reasons. They may also say, 
like my youngest daughter is in high school right now and her schedule is so different than it was last year. She's basically got something after school every single day. Then she like has thing last night she had to go back out for something. She's so much busier than she used to be. And so that she can still do her laundry on Sunday and she still does. But occasionally we talked about on the show that we we started helping her in the morning with getting her lunch ready because we saw how many other things she was doing. So sometimes a 16-year-old um, is doing a lot already. Now, the way this mom's saying it, she said, I want him to get off his butt, so maybe he's playing a lot of video games, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe he has his way of, like, kind of dealing with whatever emotions he's experiencing, whatever aspects of life that feel difficult, he is using numbing out in some way, scrolling through his phone. I think the key is to keep the conversation going is to understand that. Now, that doesn't mean you say, yes, go ahead and keep scrolling through your phone. I understand why you want to numb out at the end of the day. I do too, right? Like I sent Todd a funny TikTok, the surprise, surprise lady. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, surprise. She's my favorite meme. But it said something like when your wife goes up to bed at 8 o'clock and you come up two hours later and she's still um, on her phone scrolling. I tend to wait sometimes till the end of the day to read threads and to look at Instagram. And that's kind of my, you know, good or bad, because I know we're not supposed to look at our phones before bed. I know. I'm not doing this perfectly. But... Sweetie, you're not perfect? I'm not. Oh. I don't. I am not at all. I had no idea. Yeah. So sorry. We've been married a long time now, you know. Yes. Um, but my point is, is I think the one way to do it with our kids is to yell at them and make them afraid and go postal, like you said, and it's very disconnecting. It makes them annoyed at us. They end up doing things behind our back a lot of the time um, versus saying, I understand why you want to numb out when you get home. How can I make it get you back in the, you know, getting used to doing your laundry again or choosing a day or, you know, how can I support you in getting this done because I'm getting frustrated because you're not doing it. So it's joining them rather than going against them. Um, I'm not saying that will be perfect and that it'll solve everything, but at least it opens a conversation to maybe why they're not getting these things done. And some of it is being a teen and being flighty and thinking about a lot of other things rather than laundry. Like they had a very different brain when they were 10. Sure. Think of all the things a a uh, teenage boy at 16 is thinking about. All right. You ready for my take? Okay. Uh, first of all, I want to say um, with this, I think it was a mom, right? I think mom? so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I've also been frustrated. I think if anybody's listening to this podcast and they have kids, uh, you also can identify with frustration from kids not doing what you want them to do, sure. right? Mm-hmm. So that's the first thing. I, I thought of Shafali because Shafali used to talk about natural consequences and all that. Because mm-hmm. there's part of me, it's like, just not have them not do their laundry. Like, have them walk around with dirty clothes. Now, I know that's really hard. And the, the example I like to think of is, like, we let our kids for the most part, run their room the way they want to run their room, Mm -hmm. which means messy, clothes on the floor. Now, they're all pretty good at it now, but there was a time when not everybody was good at it, right? Would you agree Yeah, there have been times. Right, and we allowed them to have those times, Mm -hmm. right? Now, if there's moldy turkey sandwiches in the corner, that's a problem. I've found moldy things. Right, so so it's it's this continuum. So I feel like sometimes we as parents are like, no, these kids got to learn their manners and learn this stuff and... Uh, they must do their laundry in a way that I would do their laundry. And I'd be like, there's probably a little bit of give there. Like, why don't you just n- not do the kids' laundry? And and I don't know if it's family laundry, like towels for the community, or yeah, if like, it's his own laundry. Yeah. If it's his own laundry, just let, let him go. walk around with dirty clothes. <laughs> yeah. And let peer pressure take over and stay on his team for a bit. Because I have a feeling when somebody's nagging at me about doing something, I don't feel like they're on my team. So we got to try to be on our kid's team as much as possible. And there's times when you have to, you know, have a difficult conversation saying, you know, your your turkey sandwich is moldy in the corner. And we need or you to do don't something. smell good. Or you don't smell good. Mm-hmm. Um so and then or your like, room doesn't smell and good. like the the authoritarian or the militant way of doing it of dropping the hammer we know that that doesn't have good long-term effects it works in the moment yes. doesn't work long term and then lastly it's just like check your energy when you're when you're engaging with your child and if you're like really frustrated and closed and defensive it's probably not going to go well so get yourself 
a little more regulated. This is what I do. Like when sometimes when I get frustrated, I'm like, I'm not in a good position to engage with another human being right now. So instead I'm going to remove myself from engaging until I feel a little bit better. So that's a few thoughts that I might have for that. And I kind of feel like things with our kids are always last straws. Like we're kind of already tired. We've had a long day. We've done all our pieces. You know, we've done the dishwasher. We brought in the mail. We went to work for the day. We cleaned up, you know, we fed the dog. We did all these things. And then we go up to our kids' room and they didn't do the one thing, right? And we're like, geez, I do all these things. But again, remember, they're not us. They're not adults yet. And their world is not around doing the dishwasher. It's around having this text exchange with this person and making sure that they get to their practice on time. And they have a different world. That doesn't mean it's okay that they don't do their laundry, thus the conversation and how can I help this happen or you don't smell good, figure it out. But I think sometimes when we compare ourselves like apples to apples to our kids, it's not a fair comparison. They have different brains. They have different experiences. They have a different life. And we have what our goal is, is do they know how to do laundry so that when they go out in the world, they can do it themselves? That's all I care about. Sometimes the girls drop the ball on these things. Like, you know, like Todd said, sometimes I make, when I make my daughter's lunch, if I'm not around, she knows how to do it. Yeah. So I am not needed. I'm just supporting. Yeah, you've, you d- you've done the teaching yeah. and now we happen to be in a place of support. Right. Are uh, you ready for the yeah. next Del Griffith quote? Uh-huh. Call what? Sean was home. Probably at my daughter's Thanksgiving pageant. Mm. I'm sorry. Those, those are the precious moments, too. They don't come back again. <laughs> Not a very good listener. Dell's not super supportive. You know what else is come back kind again. of gross with Dell? What? Is he smokes while he eats? Oh, he does. It's disgusting. Yeah, it's kind of like he has a cigarette while he's eating. And again, he's so such a he's such an interesting character in that way because you love him even though it's very gross. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't take your shoes off on a plane, everybody. I yeah. mean, if and you, don't wave your socks around. Don't wave your socks around. Say your dogs are barking. That's right. Uh, what do you got next? Okay, so the next question is. Um, I'll go to, I'll just go to the next one. It says, question concerning communicating with our six and three-year-old. I think I've gotten in a bit of a rut lately with teaching versus having conversations. However, I'm curious if all of you feel like when your children, this must be Team Zen. I'm curious if you feel like when your children were, are younger, do you naturally do more teaching talking or should we be focusing on conversation like communication? Does that make sense? Um, it's a great question. Mm -hmm. I think it's a valid question. And my quick answer, I'm kind of tired. So my brain's not working that well. Okay. Um, is I think we do a lot more teaching when our kids are younger Mm -hmm. and the older they get, we do more, uh, cheerleading and coaching and less or just normal conversation. Normal conversation. We don't always have to be on. So, um, yeah, I think it's very normal to do a little more teaching stuff, but I love the question. It said, there's something in there about teaching versus discussion. Is that conversation? Conversation. Like, you know, that's what we want to have, you know, who wants to be taught? Well, again, it's this role that we think we have as a parent and we do have limited time with them at home where we want to make sure we get in a lot of things that we want to tell them or experiences or whatever. Literally oh, one of my sorry, favorite. Sorry, sorry. Oh my gosh. There was like a man in my ears. That's my bad. Um, it's still on. No, it's off. No, it was on. I know it's off now. Okay. Trust me. Okay. Um, it, so I don't, I lost my thought. I'm sorry, babe. I screwed you up. Um, we, oh, I know. We want to be teaching because we have limited time with our kids, and that is understandable because we want to get a bunch of things in. I'm just repeating what I said to get back on that track. But I also think that they learn by watching us, so we don't always have to speak things the way that we are when we're around them, when we're in the kitchen, when we're laughing with our partner, when we're laughing with friends, when we're dancing around to music. They learn from that. A lot more by than what we say. Yes. And I also think they learn by having conversations with them that have no agenda. Mm -hmm. Like you can, if you know, you got a, how, what did she say? How old are her kids? Six and three. Six and three. So you got a six-year-old who loves a certain TV show. I don't know what this TV show is anymore. Todd and I are so old. If it was uh, 2006, we would say Blue's Clues. No, we didn't watch Blue's Clues. That was like my niece and nephew. I watched it. You didn't Steve. watch Blue's Clues. I still do. Watched was, it last night. That's what Maddie and Max watched, and they, they're they like 
26 or 23 or whatever. But so. our girls, like the shows we watched were Super Y, The Wonder Pets. Um, Little Bear. Little Bear. I love Little Bear. Uh, the Berenstein Bears. Um, Word Girl. Lady Redundant Woman. <laughs> I loved Word Girl. They had funny, funny things in that show. Anyway, to like they have a TV show like that or the movies, the Disney movies they like or the TV shows or whatever. Have conversations about the characters like, oh, my gosh, don't you love that one? Or don't you, you know, tell me about why you like this or tell me what you saw on your show or tell me about your book. You know, tell me about, um, you know, the games you're playing or these toys like have have conversations that don't have an agenda of teaching. Find the thread and pull it. Yeah. And, and then you do the same thing. You talk Share about your, your music and your this and that or your blanket that you had as a kid or, you know, like it doesn't, I, you know, Todd and I always use these pop culture things. It doesn't have to be pop culture. It's just about life. I think kids learn how to have conversations by the conversations that are had at home. And if every conversation is a teaching, then that's the way they're going to talk to people. Sure. I know that sounds really like, really? But yes, they're going to be the kid who's always telling kids what to do versus having like kid con like conversation about being interested in somebody else's. Or the kid's just going to get stuck in being taught and not right. want to teach. It could go many different ways. You want to hear a little Little Bear theme, sweetie, just I to bring little you back? I love Little Bear, sure. Does this bring you back at all? This isn't the theme. Oh, this is like just part of the show. Oh, here we go. It's just a very, for those of you, you guys should kick it back old school and put on Little Bear. Little Bear was so soothing. It's very soothing. I so We had Owl and we had No Feet, who was a snake. I love No Feet. You Emily know why? was the girl. Because he had no feet. I know. Um, yeah. Those are great shows. I just sent the girls a meme the other day that it was funny. It said um, it was like a cartoon of a squirrel in a tree, like cooking at a stove. And it said oh, yeah. what I thought animals did when I was little. Yeah. I thought like animals had homes, like Little Bear had a home, you know, like we did. And I just think that's very fun child stuff. I remember my mom used to think there were little people in the radio playing sure, music. Sure, understood. I think of what my example of that, and I had, a, I had a few, but I have since forgotten what my weird, you know, unless somebody tells you, you just make your own assumptions. Because you only have the knowledge you have. Right. So it's like you can't imagine how it could be anything well, else. Well, I, I, when we went to breakfast in Iowa City last Sunday, mm -hmm. there was a bunch of bear heads and deer. Oh, yeah. And I remember taking one of my daughters to my office in Lincolnwood and one of my coworkers has like a big deer mounted on the wall. So what is that called? It's a stuffed deer? I don't know, whatever. Whatever. What's the word for that when people stuff animals? Uh, taxidermy? Taxidermy. And uh, my daughter had never seen that. And she was terrified. She was like, what is that? And of course she'd be <laughs> terrified because it makes no sense. There is this real looking animal whose head is coming out of the wall. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Terrified Anyways, her. That's the end of my story. Okay. So hopefully that is helpful. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it is or not. Okay. Um, so here's another one. I think this was, so we have two left. So let's try and get them in, Todd. Okay. I would love guidance on how to parent my curious until... Oh, we've done this one. Let's do this one. Okay. How to navigate the bridge between the years our kids so heavily rely on us and when they go off on their own. So she said, I'm a parent of four girls, 9, 12, 14, 16. I have found my two oldest ones aren't sharing much of their life experiences with me. While I do my best to just listen whenever I can and always try to be my better self. Oh, and I... And always trying to be my better self. I want to have an amazing relationship with my girls now and when they are older, but if we continue this path, it doesn't seem like we'll be close. Mm. How can I get my kids to let me be a part of their lives and to share with me? I've talked a little to them about this so they know I won't judge, fix, shame, and that I just want to be close to them. Thanks for all the guidance you have given me. Um, so my quick thing on this is totally normal for your 14-year-old and your 16-year-old to not want to talk to you as much as they did when they were 10 and 12. Mm -hmm. So just normalize that thought. And uh, I don't know, we did a, I'm going to look it up right now. We did a podcast. We interviewed Dan Siegel one time and he had a book called, was it Brainstorm or something like that? Uh -huh. It was all about teenagers. Mm -hmm. and, but we did another podcast and we just played clips from his TED Talk. And it was even better than the interview that we did with oh, him. Oh, really? And it just gives you an under a better understanding of the teenage brain because a teenage brain is so much different than us old people who 
supposedly have a fully developed prefrontal cortex. And this one connects to the laundry one that we were doing. Yeah. Like a 16 like a 10-year-old was actually doing laundry because they were more interested in pleasing us when they were 10 and then they become 16 and that's not where their brain is anymore. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you give up talking to them about it, but you can understand. Yes. I totally agree. But is there anything else? Yeah. Oh, for sure. I would say a few things like you're like, I've talked to them about it and I told them I wouldn't judge. And why aren't they telling me things? Um, I would let them go a little bit. Like, and I don't mean let them leave. They'll be back. They'll be back. Like what I mean by that is respect their need to separate a little bit. They're individuating. And what you are doing is saying, but I want to be close to them. And these are all your needs. You're like, but I want this and I want this. And don't get me wrong. Everyone has the needs you have. There's nothing selfish about them. But it's it's about remembering that as a parent, the goal is not I want something. It's what do I do to support these kids in becoming themselves? You are kind of the the figure in their life that allows them to grow. And if you are saying to them, I want you to tell me everything, then you're kind of restricting them. You're basically saying – Come to me, come to me. Yeah, and you could potentially uh, overwhelm them Put, you're with pushing that them pressure, away, and yeah. then they won't come to you when the time is right. So it's a it's a dance that you got to figure out. And some days you're going to screw it up because that's what parenting is. And other days you're going to crush it. And more days than not, your kids are probably not going to give you the best version of themselves because they probably feel some type of unconditional love. So. Well, and I would, there's nothing wrong with the things you've done thus far. You're like, you know, if you'd ever need to come to me, I will be here in a non-judgmental way. That's beautiful. Like that's so important for them to know. So you've done good work there, letting them know that your goal is never to shame and that you're a support system, but then allow them to do that rather than make them do that. Hold on. Hold on one second. Oh, I thought you were going to talk. You were going to yawn. No, I'm not doing anything. Oh, okay. You look like you were getting ready to go. I'm a little out of it. Okay. So... I think what I'm saying is love them through this transition by releasing the tension a little bit, like (laughs) supporting them in individuating a little bit. And still, like, I I think some of the things that that were important to me when the girls were getting older was, can we have brunch on Sunday? So maybe they're busy Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, but we have brunch on Sunday and I just want to like catch up as much, as much as we can, but not like tell me everything, but more like here I am. I love you. I want to be with you. Maybe we have deep talks. Maybe we don't. And, but I'm staying, I'm finding new creative ways to be with them without adding an extra layer of pressure on them. Sure. Does that make sense? Does. Okay, go ahead, Todd. I was just going to say that this woman... I don't know if she's on the team, if she's on Team Zen or not, but the fact that she's asking the question tells me she's doing a much better job than she probably gives herself credit for. So I just want to say my guess is you're probably doing a lot more right things than you think you are. And just keep trying to engage in a friendly, healthy way. And if they're not up to it, I remember one time, JC, uh, my oldest daughter, we were going to lacrosse and I was like, I was driving her. She was like, 14 and I was ready to talk you know I haven't connected with her all day the last few days and I was ready like this is the time we're going to talk and she had no interest in connecting at all uh, because she probably had a crappy school day that day or just a long day or just a long day whatever and um, you know, my ego got involved. I'm like, no, this is, I want to talk to you. And she just wasn't ready. So you have to like, well, and again, that was you, like you needed that. Yeah. And this is, this is why it's important to notice this, not to shame ourselves, but the whole idea of this is, you know, this is what I want. And I'm trying to create this. It's very one-sided. You're coming up with this idea in your mind of how it's going to go. And you're not paying attention to what this person needs. Sure. And I think you will find that if they say, well, mom, I'm just going to go to my room tonight. I'm just going to hang out. And you're like, okay, that's great. Um, I'll come in and say goodnight to you. Or, okay, that sounds great. Tomorrow, do you want to have dinner? Or, you know, like giving them a little space. And again, I know some parents will be like, but what if my kid goes up to the room and never comes out? That's an extreme. Mm-hmm. And that's when you go and say, hey, I noticed you're never coming out. Like, again, there are no like hard and fast rules here. You're trying to find this middle place. Sure. But your 14 and 16-year-old, are there what's most important to them right now they love you and they honor you but they're focusing on peer relationships they're focusing on 
possibly romantic relationships. They're focusing on their own grades, their leadership, their brain is elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And and your ability to understand that and say, it's just like the laundry question, how can I help you? How can I make life feel less stressful to you rather than why don't you tell me anything? Why don't you talk to me? That's then an added pressure. Sure. And I feel like they're going to talk to you more if they know you don't need it. I think kids really pick up on that my parents need something from me thing. Yep. And I think if we can be a little more cool, <laughs> cool, Todd. That's like us. Cool. Well, it's like that word cool. I don't even know what that word means because sometimes it means like distant and too good for something. But what I mean cool is it's like, like relax, kind of yeah. cool. Chill out. Chill out. Chill out. Um, so was that the last question? Um, yeah, because the other one I think we answered. So. Um, uh, so we can close shop early. We're about 10 minutes early. So you're listening to this on the week of Thanksgiving. I think if you're not, maybe, you know, if you're listening to it later, you know, happy Thanksgiving or holidays or whatever you're celebrating, but we just want to take an opportunity and say, we're grateful for you. Um, Todd and I've been doing this for now 13 years, um, go heading into our 14th, if you can believe it. And we just really appreciate these, this connection that we have with you and the ability to do these podcasts. And we just love you very much. So thank you everybody who listens. Um, do you want to take us out with a certain gratitude song, sweetie, anything like that? A gratitude song. You know what? I'll, I got it. I got it right here. Here we go. How about you play either the mess around or every time you go away? Oh, well. From planes, trains, and automobiles? I like it. I like it. We're going to go mess around because that's. So we're ended on this kind of high note with Ray Charles. So everybody, watch planes, trains, and automobiles this week. Do yourself a favor and watch PTLA. You can talk about the pit. Ah, the cute. The band was jumping. The people too. Ah, mess around. They're doing the mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Now, when I say stop, don't you move a page. When I say go, just uh, shake your leg and do the mess around. Hey, everybody. We're thrilled to announce that the Zen Parenting Conference is back live and in person in 2024. This year, our exclusive event will be centered around teens. Why? Because 30 years ago, the greatest threats to teen health were drunk driving, pregnancy, and illicit drugs. Today, it's currently anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm, cyberbullying, and serious mental health disorders. Their experience is vastly different than our own. So let's get together and talk about it. We owe it to them to listen, to have honest conversations, and to live our way through it together. If you're currently parenting a teenager or have an emerging teen, this is an event you absolutely won't want to miss. We have limited seating this year, so secure your spot now. Go to zenparentingradio.com. If you have appreciated or enjoyed a decade of Zen Parenting Radio podcasts, please tell a friend or leave a five-star review. We are grateful for your support. If you want more Zen Parenting, consider joining Team Zen Circle, our very own app that includes our virtual community, exclusive content, and support from us. You could also purchase Kathy's award-winning book, Zen Parenting, Caring for Ourselves and Our Children in an Unpredictable World, or subscribe to Zen Parenting Moment. You can find these opportunities and more at zenparentingradio.com slash resources. And if you want to connect through social networking, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Keep trucking, and we'll talk to you again next week.